Good morning. Hey, this is special, right? So, so special. They're going out to be with Denny right now. Hey, I want to celebrate with you something as we kick off our time in the sermon today by saying, hey, we ask you and invited you and challenged you to invite your friends so that we could tell them the greatest news the world has ever heard at Easter. And we invited you, right, to send texts and to, to hand out cards, and you did that. Uh, in fact, you did that above and beyond. Uh, we got to see Paige told me this morning more than we've ever seen with us on campus since I've been here on a Sunday. We had over 4,000 with us in worship. If you count Good Friday, and what happened also with our Easter experience outside with the kids, we had over 8,000 on campus last week. Don't clap yet because that's not the goal. The goal is not attendance. The goal is tell peopling, peopling? People, right? The greatest news in the world about Jesus, right? And so what happened is you got to bring people to be exposed to the good news of Christ. Some of you have been sharing Christ with these people in your neighborhoods and in your communities, and it's cool. So this week we've been following up with people who texted in and have made steps of faith in their life. Some of you are here in that room, and we're so excited about what God's doing there. But uh, I don't want to tell you, we're not done with all that, but this Wednesday, we also challenged our youth to invite a friend to be part of our dodgeball y'all. We had a dodgeball tournament, and in order to have a team, you had to have someone on your team that was not part of our church family, and there were 42 dodgeball teams in the dodgeball tournament, 37 of uh, uh, also cornhole teams of the dodgeball tournament. And, uh, and then after, we got to share Jesus with them, tell them the good news of Easter, that Jesus came to die on the cross for your sin he rose again that life right after we got to share that with them we saw a lot respond after follow-up conversations meeting face to face we think on Wednesday we got to see 35 more people begin a real relationship with Christ at youth which is awesome y'all can clap for that that's awesome yeah And here's, here's what we want to do. As a church, it doesn't stop there. It actually somewhat starts there, right? We want to make disciples who live in love like Jesus. That's the mission of our church. And so if you're here today, and maybe you made a faith decision last week on Wednesday or on Sunday, and you're, you're here with us in the room, we want you to know that God wants you to experience the abundant life that's found as you follow Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about every week, really, until Jesus comes back. After the Sunday services last week, some of you watched the Masters. After the Masters, I guess I, I did watch some of that myself. I was cheering for a new guy from Texas A&M University to make it, and uh, he played really well. After that, there was a, a documentary uh, on the new telescope that's up in space, the Webb Telescope. Y'all heard about this? Yes? And as we were learning about this telescope that's gone up into space, they were saying, hey, we're taking pictures of what once was darkness and we're seeing what we thought was true. And that there's actually light in the darkness shining back at us. And so here's a few of the photos. Uh, these are previously 
unseen stars and galaxies that were in what we thought was darkness, but when we focus this telescope, it's sending back these stunning pictures as we see this light in the darkness of these stars. Now, I wish I could talk at length about this. There's so much there. There was one of the guys there saying, hey, this doesn't really even make sense because as we're watching space, they, they should be pulling themselves back together. We see some of the gravity, but then they said there's like 95% of what's going on that's pointing to a power that we don't know or understand. And I'm thinking, ah. <laughs> after, looking at, after looking at this light in the darkness, seeing these stars, I jump in to study where we're going to start going today in Daniel and I was reminded at the end of Daniel that Daniel shares this some may have heard this word verse it's a verse that I heard growing up it's watch and those who are what's the word wise that word will show up a lot in Daniel shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Daniel is going to be telling us his story, and more than his story, the story of God working through people who are going to shine in a very dark culture, the culture of Babylon. And as we jump in, I just, I just want you to hear, in fact, before I even go farther, I wanna introduce someone in the room. Where's Mark Fansler? Here we go, Mark Fansler. Mark Fansler is jumping up here on stage. Mark helps us by cranking out. How do you do everything more funny than me? I just, yes, and in a good way. I mean, that was, uh, this guy, yes, if you've ever been around him, you, you laugh more than when you're not. Yeah, he's, he's so much fun. But he also helps tell the story of Jesus in the lives of so many people because he helps do our video production. He's a gifted artist, and twice in the six years that I've been around, we brought him up during a sermon series to take notes kind of in front of you. And he's gonna do it in a little different way today on a table here that you will see at different times as we go through our time. So Mark, thank you for using your gift. As he jumps up, Babylon is where this story is going to take place. Babylon, I told you, very dark cultured. Babylon was really obsessed with the stars. They were all about studying the stars and they connected the stars to their many different gods. They were very artistic and very affluent. In fact, one of the ancient wonders of the world was the hanging gardens of Babylon and people that say it existed say it would have existed right now when we're reading in this book. There was, again, an unbelievably dark culture of Babylon that we will learn about. And I don't, I don't know if you've, you've noticed, but there's a lot going on in our culture right now. This is not new. The Bible tells us there's, there's this cycle that goes on in the history of the world where God shows himself and people start to follow him and as they do, there's this revival and repentance and the world is blessed, but as the world is blessed, we gotta start getting obsessed with our blessings as we kinda heard about what's going on in America. 
and it becomes harder to follow and people start turning away and the world starts getting darker again as we're in this dark culture how do we shine how do we shine as lights in this dark culture it's almost like Daniel is a handbook for us he's gonna first half tell us his story second half he's gonna prophesy that God's gonna make it all better in order to honor God's word I want to invite you to stand buckle up we're gonna read an amazing story in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it and the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God and he brought them to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with all knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans." The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah, he called Shadrach, Mishael, he called Meshach, and Azariah, he called Abednego. Let's pray. If you're able to kneel, I'm going to invite you to that. If it's uncomfortable, you can just sit down. That's fine. God, I ask in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would do something supernatural through this time. God, that you'd help us as your followers learn to shine in the darkness. God, I ask for wisdom that we're going to read about all over Daniel and courage. God, give us wisdom to know what to do and give us the courage to do it. God, not for our glory, but for yours. I don't know really what, what's happening in your life right now, but would you ask God right now to speak into your life to help you learn how to shine in our world today? Would you ask God to do that? And Holy Spirit, help. Uh, as we open the word that you inspired Daniel to write down some 2,500 years ago, God, I pray that we would see Holy Spirit, make it alive for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go back to your seat. I don't know if you noticed as I was reading, but something happened. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, are taken into exile. And you might be thinking, what? I thought these were God's chosen people. 
why would they be taken into exile? Uh, well, fast forward, I want to just kind of share, maybe I should rewind, I should say it that way, but try to do it in a quick way. The people of Israel entered into a covenant relationship with God at Mount Sinai, and God said, hey, when you follow me and you live in my, my, my will and my design, I'm going to bless you, but when you turn your back on me, it's going to actually hurt you and I'm going to discipline you, is what he's promised to do in their life. He told them that was going to happen. And we know the story happens over and over and over again. Judges, that cycle happens seven different times where they follow God, God blesses, they rebel, and God sends someone to come and discipline his people. The kings show up, David's a good king, Solomon's pretty good. After Solomon, the kingdoms divide, northern kingdom is terrible. They do terrible things. God sends his prophets to say, return to me, return to me, return to me. He calls them to come back and they don't. Assyria takes over the northern kingdom, the Judah, the southern kingdom lasts a little longer, but he tells them in Isaiah and in Jeremiah, Babylon is coming if you don't turn, and they don't turn. And so Babylon shows up, God does what he told them he was going to do. Verse 1 again, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, y'all say his name with me real quick, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a bad guy. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. That's Zion, God's chosen city, and he besieged it. Verse 2, shocking words. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God, the temple. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in his his in the treasury of his God. Do y'all notice the, again the first few words there of verse 2? And the Lord did what? Okay, theme of the whole book of Daniel. We're going to see it all over the book of Daniel. If you want to take notes, here we go. God is in control. God is in control. Ver, verse 2 tells us God is in control of who is in control. God gave his people to Babylon. What's going on? Well, I've already told you the Lord disciplines those he loves. It tells us in verse 2 that this was the land of Shinar. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 if you want to, and you can read about something that happened in Shinar. Anybody know what that story is? It's about a tower, the tower of what? Babel, yes. Whoa, he's drawing it right there. It's almost like you've read my notes before, yes the Tower of Babel. It's a story of these people thinking, hey, let's build for us something for us, about us, and we're going to show that we can earn our own and build our own way to God. So they try to do that, and God's like, that's not cool, and so he starts to make them babble. They can't communicate with each other, and he spreads them out. Okay? This is in the land of Shinar. In fact, when you study right now, that you can go study that, that Babylon was the largest city in the world at its time. The temple to Bel, which is the name that Daniel is given, Belshazzar, comes from this. Right beside the temple to that demonic god, there was a multi-leveled stepped pyramid that they said was taller than our normal stories but would have gone seven stories high towering up above the city when Daniel was there, Belshazzar. Why would, why, okay, this, this, this group of people, Israel has started to worship bad gods, 
But this group of people, you'll see, is unbelievably evil. Why would God do this? Well, again, God disciplines his own children. He disciplines those he loves. It shows up over and over and over in Scripture. And then also what shows up over and over in Scripture is God loves all people. And God sometimes takes his people to help their light shine, to, to correct them, to get the flashlight on, but then places them in a dark culture so that they can shine. And we're going to see Daniel do it. We're going to see Daniel shine as a light in Babylon. So God's in control, places them there. First thing that I think is specific to chapter 1 is we're going to see that darkness will try to indoctrinate and to assimilate us. When I say darkness, the the world, the fallen world, is going to try to, and we'll see in the story, and I think it's happening still today, to indoctrinate you and I to, to get their language into us so that we will become like them. Watch what happens. Verse three. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility. Those that we're going to read about in the story were royalty in Israel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody, what was their, anybody want to tell us their, their uh, VeggieTale names? Rack, I heard somebody say the first one. Rack, Shack, and what? Benny. What? Yeah, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Okay, maybe I digressed. They were royalty, and they were young, the Bible's going to tell us, and they were really good looking. Uh, When I say young, students up there, they were between, most commentaries tell us, between the ages of 13 and 15. They were young, not much different age than you. Watch what happens. Verse 4, this youth without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with all knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And watch what he's going to do. And to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Darkness has an agenda What's his agenda? It's to teach them. It's to indoctrinate them in order to assimilate them. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. I don't know if any of you here like a nice glass of wine. Like this was the best in the kingdom. That's what, wow, that's, I need another sermon. I just realized what I, okay, keep going. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Three years of indoctrinating them so that they could assimilate them. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Zechariah, and I'm sorry, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. This indoctrination goes so deep when they would rename someone in these times, it would go to the core identity of who you are. People would become what their names said they were. And he's trying to change their identity. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Say Belshazzar with me. One, two, three. Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. If you look at these names, these, oh, VeggieTales showed up on the drawing. Yes. Yeah. If you look at these names, 
he takes the Hebrew name that was referring to their God, Yahweh, it's part of all of their names, and he replaces it with a name that refers to a God of Babylon. Uh, specifically, even interestingly, Daniel's name is changed from a male name to a female name. Belshazzar was the lady protector of the king. The culture is seeking to indoctrinate them in order to assimilate them into their darkness. So what is, what is it they were teaching? Uh, this is just for fun. Again, I told you Jeremiah, Isaiah, tell us it's going to happen. Isaiah actually tells us what Babylon was teaching. So if for fun, turn back. If, you, if you're new to the Bible, we're kinda, you can find uh, in your Bible, Daniel 1, Isaiah is to the left. And so go left a little while, you'll find a bigger book called Isaiah, Isaiah 47. There's something he repeats when he's telling us what they teach, and so I'm going to read those two verses. Isaiah 47 verse 8 says this, Now therefore hear this, you lover of pleasures. Nothing in our culture is telling us to pursue something that brings pleasure, right? No. Who sit secretly, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one beside me. Skip down to verse 10. You felt secure in your wickedness. Okay, not just pleasure, pursuing pleasure, but actually, now actually doing bad things. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, y'all read that phrase with me again. I am and there is no one besides me. Apparently, Babylon, what they were trying to indoctrinate and assimilate people with was, hey, hey, it's all about you. You, you, you. you your pleasure, what you want to do. And we're, 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 we're going to, hey, you are, and it's all about you. And we're going to indoctrinate you in that. Doesn't sound familiar, does it? Darkness will try to indoctrinate to assimilate. So how do we respond? All right, we're gonna see Daniel respond with incredible courage throughout the book. But in chapter one, there's something that, again, will show up over and over and over again, but what will stand out is he's gonna, he's gonna set himself apart and he's gonna do that with incredible, in fact, as I read it, his respect for those around him as he does it is mind-boggling to me. So, how do we respond when doctors will try to indoctrinate or assimilate? Here's the way I'm gonna say it right today. Those who shine in this darkness will be holy and humble. Uh, both are gonna show up over and over again. The definition of holy is actually not righteous. Now, he's not gonna be perfectly holy or perfectly righteous. Only one person was that. Holy literally means set apart, different from the crowd. That's what holy means, and humble. Watch verse 8. But Daniel resolved, your translation might say made up his mind, 
or he proposed in his heart. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked, not demanded, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not to defile himself. Now, there's so much here. But Daniel, as, as this indoctrination starts happening, he chooses in at least this area to say, no, I am not going to do that. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to be different than the world. Daniel determined that even though he lived in Babylon, Babylon was not going to live in him. And Daniel recognized that if he's going to shine as a light in Babylon, in order to make a difference, he had to be different. He recognized this is opposite of what the world is going to pressure us to do. Be like, uh, no, Daniel recognized if I'm going to make a difference, I've got to be different. Now, some commentary writers go at length in saying, hey, this was probably prompting him to disobey what God had taught him because he had a kosher diet and he shouldn't have uh, meat with blood in it. And there's, that's true. But I think as you look at what he does here, it goes beyond that because he's not just not eating kosher meat, not eating any meat in the story. And he's also not drinking any wine, which was not part of the kosher diet at the time. Some go farther and say it's probably because those were sacrificed to idols. And they may have been, but at that point in time, they also sacrificed anything that was raised from seed to idols. That's what he's going to eat. So yes, I think there was something that he was protecting himself related to what God has said, but I think there was also the realization that, hey, look, anything the world has to offer is now in front of me, and I am going to choose not just to not do wicked, which was one of the verses we just read, but not to allow myself to constantly just pursue pleasure for myself. Y'all see? He says, I'm going to be holy, set apart, set apart. I'm going to live different. And watch the way he does it. He does it so humbly. He asks if the eunuch would allow him. Verse 9, and God gave. Notice again, theme of the book of Daniel. Who's in control? God. God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh by the way if you do the Daniel diet to lose weight notice that it says they were fatter I'm just saying <laughs> fatter 
fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away all this fine food, the food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Okay, Daniel says no, but he says no humbly. Uh, in other words, and we're going to see it throughout Daniel, even when he gets to the point where he is the wisest man in the whole kingdom, he's going to respond to people who are doing evil things with grace and humility. Uh, different ways of saying it. He was resolute and respectful. He was passionate and compassionate. He took a stand but he didn't make a scene. His goal was to be the righteous person in the room more than the right person in the room. He understood that he could not expect Babylon to do what he wanted Babylon to do until they saw in his life as he shined, living differently, till they saw, which we see in the story, that when we do that, it's good. Chris Hodges, a pastor theologian, says it this way, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And I think there are a lot of people in our culture that go back and forth between those top two. Truth and grace together are medicine. And Daniel's going to bring it to his culture. Another pastor theologian in our culture, Larry Osborne, tells a story about a man in his congregation who was irate with him as a pastor, saying to him, every week you need to preach on politics and the gender issue in our culture. And they were, he was irate with him. So he went to his staff team and says, I need to learn about him so I can engage in a conversation out of love with him. And they said, okay, here's what we want you to know. Uh, we've tried to engage with him, uh, but he's also right now sleeping with his girlfriend and he won't listen to us when we talk to him about that. So he said, he reached out and he said, hey, I wanna talk about those things because we do in our church, we do talk about those things. We're not gonna back away. In fact, as we go through Daniel, you're gonna hear some of this stuff. But he said, hey, I want, can I talk to you a little bit about what's happening in your life personally, spiritually? And he said, the man left the church. Then he writes these words. Many Christians seem to think that our rapidly declining cultural influence is due to our lack of commitment to the so-called cultural wars. But I think not. Our churches have long been filled with people who claim to be Christ followers, but who live like pagans. And if you look at the story of the Bible, the hope for our culture is when you and I, in fact, when our culture's going the wrong way, it's usually because God's disciplining the church, those he loves, to live in line with him. But when, when we start shining as lights in our culture, that's when our culture is going to see people living holy and humbly before God, that there's a difference about that. And they're going to hopefully see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be empowered by the Holy Spirit that is in my life and yours. And then this God who's in control can start to control them. 
The hope of the world is in the church. And you and I, as a church, we need to shine. And next week, we're going to talk about what he does courageously and out loud in his culture. So please hear me say, this does not mean we, get, we shut up. But this does mean, what we'll see, as he carries himself, he's going to be set apart wholly, but he's going to do it humbly with grace and truth. Watch what happens. Verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Who's in control? God. Notice who gave them this. In all literature and wisdom, there's our word again, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams, which will be fun in this book. At the time of the At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. Basically, the king picked them to be his key right-hand men. Like he becomes the chief of staff, basically, for the president. Why? As he was shining as a light, living holy and humbly. And in every matter of, what's this word again? Wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus, which was some 66 years later. Daniel serves as the guy who's the wise man in this kingdom. He's the guy, right, who they go to for wisdom and understanding, shining as a light in Babylon. As I read this, and I thought about this verse again, the end of the chapter, uh, book, Daniel chapter uh, 12, verse 3. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the guy, sky, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. I was reminded that in the story of Jesus, there were wise men, we don't know how many, who came some 500 years later from where? The east, you know what was east of Jerusalem in Bethlehem? Babylon. Now, I I don't know fully what goes on, but I know Babylon was studying the stars, and God placed in Babylon a man that was looking for the coming king. And as they looked up into the sky, he probably told them, you know what? God is going to send a Messiah, a coming king in the future. That, God, that Daniel was used in such a huge way, shining as a light in his culture, that his culture was looking at the sky for this coming king, like the Jewish people weren't even doing at the time. And they show up to point the whole world to the baby that was born in the manger. Y'all know, again, the hero of the story is not Daniel. The hero of the story is God, and God is in control. There's a better than Daniel 
holy and humble leader in scripture and his name is Jesus. When he showed up on the scene in this dark world, they tried to indoctrinate him, to assimilate him and he was not indoctrinated. In fact, one of his first temptations was eating food and he said no to it. He was holy and humble in a way that Daniel could never be and you and I can never be. You're never going to live perfectly in front of people. Jesus lived perfectly. Our role in our culture is to point people to the one who came to die for you and I. Some, some growing up, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this as I go over here, some, some in the story of Daniel think the main point is that Daniel gets to see God shut the mouth of the lions. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire is not gonna burn them, right? You step back and look at the story, it's actually the opposite. He's gonna live all of his life in exile. We're gonna see him persecuted for standing up for what he believes. And I think it could happen and will happen for you and I as we, even when we seek seek to be holy and humble, the the world's gonna push back at times, right? We're We're gonna see that happen for us. But we get to know that there's a God in control that you and I get to point people to. And I want to say, before you run away, tell us what you drew here. Yeah. Sure. The, um, what we have here is, uh, I can't tell if you can see, but there, there's a hand holding the globe, so that's yeah. God is in control. Yeah. Holy is set apart. We have the, uh, the giant star here sh- uh, casting light. So to me, the big theme was light yeah. and yeah. darkness. Yeah. So this is Daniel uh, peering out, and light's shining on him, shine like a light. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, I forgot his name. What? The VeggieTale uh, guy. Oh, the veg. Oh, Shaq. Uh, what? Uh, so Rackshack? Larry. Rackshack. R- oh yeah, Shaq, Rack, and Benny. Yeah. Rackshack. Rackshack. I'm going to do it backwards. <laughs> yeah. And then God is the hero of the story, and then the Tower of Babel, obviously here in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I loved uh, earlier in the praise when they did the song with Psalm 141 too. Mm. Let my prayer be counted as incense. So there's some incense, and it's kind of going up. So. so cool. Perfect way to stop because this is what I want to do. I want you to turn your prayers as incense to God. Yes. Pray with me. Pray with me. I want you to ask God right now, what would it look like for you to shine as a light where you're working, where you're going to school, where you're working out, where you live? What does that look like for you? How can you this week have the courage to live holy, set apart, and humble before those that God has placed you with. God, we acknowledge that you're in control. And God, we ask that you would, for your glory, and for our world, our culture, that you would light us up Give us wisdom and courage. Use this book to shape us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus. 
Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.